to the back. I think they have a prayer room at the back, and there were five intercessory prayer followed her. They went to the back, and so and they, I think they were praying for her, and I thought that that was it. So we continue on the altar call with praying and prophesying and ministering to the people in the altar. Finally, the service was over. When the service was over, my husband and I, together with uh, the pastor, we all went back to the back office. And while we were sitting there, one of the security came and he said, well, somebody uh, need to come and help. There's a lady back in the prayer room needed help. Immediately, I remember, that must be the lady. So I said, okay, I'll take care of it. So I jump up and I ask him, where was it? Where is that room? So I followed him. I went in the back room. Let me tell you what, it broke my heart when I walked in. It was the same lady. It was a very bad scene. There were five uh, uh, ladies over there and uh, two associate pastors. And I think there was two security the lady, you know, started pulling, you know, her, her dress, and she was just laying there. And there were so many, from what I walk in, I can hear the binding and loosing, and everything was going on in the room. So I walk in, and I, and I just said, move, to the, to the lady. So then I knelt down, and I look at her, and I said, ma'am, do you want to get, do you want to be set free tonight? She was just mumbling, and I said, if you want to be set free, I want you to repeat this prayer right after me. She repeated the prayer after me, but I have to tell you, it was a demonic spirit. She was demon-possessed. She was totally demon-possessed. And um, so I said the prayer. I said the prayer. She repeated after me. I pulled her up to sit up so she, I mean, I mean business, okay? When you're dealing with demonic, you need to know who you are. Don't play game. In my mind, I was like, my goodness. I've been, I've been in the altar call 45 minutes. And I went in the back room. The devil does not need 45 minutes, okay? No. That 45 minutes belong to God. I, I mean, that, those people, that, that they, I mean, they need to join us and worship God. They're not, you're not supposed to spend 45 minutes, okay, and cast the devil out. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had never been to a, whatever, deliverance, or, but I just, this one's come to my mind, okay. So, and I said, move. So I, I pick her up, you know, to sit up. And I said, do you want to be set free, like what I said earlier? And so, okay. So I asked her to repeat the prayer. And I said, repeat this prayer. So she repeated the prayer right after me. I said, you have to mean it. So she, right after she repeated the prayer, and she lay down. And I said, no, you can't lay down. You are done. Okay? You are done right now. You need to get up right now. You are done. You, you have said the prayer. Ask God to forgive you of your sin. Forgive whatever that you have done to cause the demonic spirit to get into your mind and your heart. God already forgive you for that, and you are done. But what I learned, that the demonic spirit wants us to play game with them. Listen, we don't have time to play game with the demonic spirit, okay? So anyway, and some other lady said, oh, Meliana, please, she's bipolar. Listen, I understand that. Whatever it is, that is demonic spirit that created that, okay? God is big enough to save us and heal us from everything, Amen. So she, um, we said, okay, will you guys already pray for, let's just pray, let's just pray that it's, everything is done. So we all hang, hold hand together and all pray together with the ladies over there. And that was it. And the ladies, they, nobody want to grab her. So I, I grabbed her and I said, get up. So she got up. I helped her dress her up, you know. Even the security didn't even want to do, didn't want to do nothing with her. So I dressed her up right after I dressed her. Then I walk her out. And she left and she went home. That was on Wednesday. Thursday, Thursday and Friday, Sunday, they have a water baptism at the church. And I remember I was sitting in the front row. There were, I think there were like 20 or 30 people that was get uh, water baptized that night. And I was, I remember as I was sitting over there, the fourth person Climbing up, to say, you know, some church have the water baptism right here in the front. The fourth or fifth person 
climbing up on the steps to go through the water baptism, it was the lady. And I look at him, oh my gosh, that's the lady that got delivered on Wednesday night. God is good, amen? It does not matter who, yes, thank you, Lord. It does not matter whatever we are going through, demonic spirit that attack our family or our loved one, God is more than capable of delivering us, amen? And I tell you, I was so blessed since then. I saw the lady at church every night, you know, most so many nights that when uh, she was able to be there, I, I saw her, I, she always come up, stand right next to me, or I go up and stand right next to her, give her a hug. She is a totally, totally different person right now. God is good. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. I have a powerful wife. <laughs> I'm looking forward to sharing what God's laid on my heart tonight. And I'm going to share an interesting story and interesting truth out of the Word of God. I'm going to talk about tonight something that God gave me. How do you deal with unanswered prayer? How do you deal, what is the reaction to unanswered prayer? If you brought your Bibles, turn with me to Second Samuel. The 12th chapter. I'm going to lay a little groundwork and then we'll start in verse 15. But that's where we're going to start tonight. 2 Samuel 12, 15. Second Samuel 12, actually, and I'm going to go a little fast forward here. That Second Samuel 12 is actually when Nathan the prophet comes up to David to confront him and uses a parable to confront him. My question to the Lord many times is, how could someone so captivated by the beauty of God fall into that mess? How could somebody that was so fixed on what God was like and so passionate for the presence all of a sudden in one moment shift his focus and totally undermine a life of another man and a life of a woman? Nathan the prophet tells him, listen, David, God would have gave you anything. But I'm not going to spend much time into that question tonight. You know why? Because every one of us here have all fallen short of the glory of God. And the difference between David and many other people was this truth. The level of David's repentance was greater than the level of his failure. If you get that in your spirit... That the level of your repentance is greater than the level of your failure, then God can elevate you again. But at this point, we read, David's wife Bathsheba is pregnant. And this is what it says in verse 15 and following. I'll take it a little bit verse by verse. And it says, after Nathan had gone home, the Lord struck the child. Now listen to what it says. That Uriah, say Uriah's wife. Uriah's wife had bore to David and he became ill. Now here's what David does. There's been a word of judgment against his family and against that child. But David has to understand, even in the midst of judgment, the grace of God is bigger than my mistakes. 
And what I have to do in the midst of a situation is I have to learn to put my trust in the grace of God. So here's what David is doing. David is laying on the ground in a place of fasting and prayer. Here is an innocent life. This boy, this child, is not guilty of two consenting adult sin. This is an innocent life. And David is crying out and interceding for this innocent life that God would spare this child. But shortly what happens is this. All of a sudden, as David's fasting and praying, he hears a conversation with the servants. And he knows that God now did not answer his prayer. What do you do, preacher? Because there are people sitting here that you prayed, you fasted, you sought the Lord. And then God did not answer the prayer. How do you deal with that when you know God is good and God is gracious? What David did tells me, because see, we have to understand, whether God answers my prayer or not, it doesn't change who he is. And because it doesn't change who he is, Sometimes we invest so much in something and it does not turn out the way we thought. And it can create disappointment. But listen to what David does. I love this. I'm going to read this out of the New King James Version. It says, So David arose from the ground. Verse 20. Everybody say, arose from the ground. See, this is what happened when David found out that God didn't answer his prayer. He didn't stay on the ground. I've seen so many people, when God doesn't come through for them, that they're still laying on the ground. Do you know that you're ineffective if you're still on the ground? You can't accomplish God's purposes if you're still laying on the ground in the midst of your sin, in the midst of your mistakes, the midst of your crisis. And God is telling me to tell someone tonight, you've got to get up from the ground. Maybe God didn't save your son. Maybe God didn't do the healing. But that you can't still lay there and worry, oh God, and ask God, how come you didn't answer my prayer? Think about a man in Scripture. If there's any man that had a bad hair day, in one day it was Job. He has a major bad hair day. You know, I'll get to Job and to David in a moment. But I'm going to share something personal with you. I was, uh, it was probably eight or nine weeks. It was late August. We had been in Kentucky. My wife and I are sitting and we're having a lunch with one of the associate pastors there, enjoying our conversation. About two o'clock in the afternoon, and I get a phone call. From my mother in my hometown where we have a house in California. And I pick up the phone and I say, hello, mom. And she says, John, you need to come home right now. The police are here because a thief has broken into your house and ransacked your house. Now, nobody wants to get that phone call. And all of a sudden, as my mom, you know, I've got to preach that night. And I'm in the middle of a revival that I've been praying for ever since I got into ministry. And here comes a thief into my house. And this is what goes through my mind. You may steal my stuff, but you ain't stealing my move. I'm in the middle of a revival right now, and I'm not going to let the thief have my revival. Are you hearing me? Now, I could have sat there and said, oh, God, how come you didn't protect my house when it was away? 
Didn't I, didn't I anoint the ground? Didn't I pray? Didn't I, didn't I do all I can? Don't I got a sign? Don't I got scriptures all over the place? But the thieves still broke in and ran in fact my house. I told my mom, I said, mom, people are getting saved. People are getting healed. They're getting the word of the Lord over. And you know, right now, I'm in the middle of a move of God. And I am not going to a middle of a leave a middle of a move of God for a house. Are you hearing what I'm saying, church? But I'm, but also, I didn't like it. I hung up the phone. Kind of got myself together a little bit, finished our lunch, and went home. Had a wonderful service that night. Put that in, tried to put that in the file. My mom would told me, well, the police want to talk to you. I said, Mom, deal with it. What am I going to tell them? I'm not there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, the next morning, I wake up and I'm worshiping God. Spending time in worship, praying in the Spirit. And I've read this scripture a hundred times. But all of a sudden, the Lord brought Matthew 6, 19, 20, and 21 to my remembrance. And this is what it says. Do not store up your treasure on earth where moth and rust can destroy, where thieves can break in and steal. Oh, come on, church. But store up your treasure in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy, where thieves cannot break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there is your heart also, oh, church. I got my answer. Because church, my treasure is not in this earth. And what helps me to deal with unanswered prayer is to understand where my treasure is. My treasure isn't what God does here. It's what I'm going to experience there. Oh, come on church. Because sometimes we put so much attention. It's just a house. Now you, now you may have robbed my house and stole my wife's jewelry, but there's one thing you're not going to steal. You're not going to steal my joy. You're not going to steal who God is in my eyes. Are you hearing what I'm saying, church? See, that is why David got up from the ground, church. Because there's people, there's things happen. Now, I paid my house payment, but my wife and I are hardly there. I think in 2011, we were there a couple of months out of the whole, whole year. So what we did is we, 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 we uh, basically, we waited until we got a day off. We flew over there, hired a moving company, moved all the stuff out, put it up for sale. It's just a house. But there's people today going crazy over a house. David got up from the ground. You know what the Word says he did after that? (laughs) This is amazing. said, washed and anointed himself. Everybody say anointed himself. I've noticed this. When you've done something wrong, nobody wants your anointing. They only want anointing when they can see you in a light, the man or woman of God, they want you to lay hands on. But when you've gone through something in your life, that's the last person you want them laying hands on you. You know what I'm saying? But listen what David did. Nobody wants to lay hands on me right now. God just didn't answer my prayer. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to worry whether or not somebody's going to lay hands on me. I'm going to anoint myself right now. Because if I don't anoint myself, sometimes you need to wake up in the morning and anoint yourself. 
I knew, I noticed that, that here, here I was. I lost my house and there could be all kinds of thoughts that could go through my mind. I should have been there. I should have done this. I should have been an alarm system. I should have done this. I should have done that. But instead, David didn't say what I should have done. He put some oil on his forehead and he slapped himself upside the head and anointed himself. Come on, church. Because if you wait for the next prophetic conference or the next guest speaker to anoint you, I'm sorry. There might be a crisis between here and there, and you're going to have to anoint yourself. You know, you start telling people your personal problems. Oh, boy. Don't pray for me. (laughs) You know that. Hey, nobody wanted to pray for David. Caught in his sin. His son, adultery, murder. And now this innocent life has passed away. But David knew something. I am not going to sit there and lay her and ask questions. Because Job, listen, one day he loses his house, his business, everything. And this is interesting because see when we read <coughs> when we read the story of Job, you know what happens in the story of Job? We hear about a conversation between the between the devil and God. And you've got to understand that Job had no idea about this conversation. He had no idea what was going on. Here was this righteous man who was praying, doing everything right. Doing everything he knew to do right. He had no idea. But see, there's something that God said to the devil that, that, that we have to remember. He said to the enemy, have you considered my servant Job? Oh, are you hearing me? There is no one like him in all the earth. And anyways, I got some folks that worship me, but there is no one like Job in all the earth right now. It means I'm marking him. You go ahead and take his house. You go ahead and take his business. You go ahead and take everything. You see how he reacts. Oh, come on, church. He, he's not going to curse me. He's not going to blame me. He's not going to leave the church. He's not going to walk out on his wife. He's not going to get so discouraged. Oh, come on, church. He, this man, Job, over, withstood and overcame a direct assault from Satan himself. And church, it's about time the church rises up from the ground and anoints themselves. Here he is. Lost everything. And now, boom. It's okay when I lost my stuff. My cars, my money, I can recoup that. But when the messenger came, said, Job, all your children are gone. Everybody else is expecting him to curse God. What the Word of God says at that. Job got down on his knees and worshipped God. Guess who saw that? The powers of darkness saw that. And the powers of darkness didn't know how to deal with that reaction. Oh, come on. They tried to shake him to the core. And you know what? When we read through Job, after that incident, we don't hear about Satan anymore. We don't hear about evil anymore. We got some friends. Because you know when you're going through things, you know what Job's friends brought? They brought dialogue without deliverance. 
Are you hearing me? And you know what? And this is what happened. That's what happened to that lady, honey. They brought, they went her, she's demon possessed, crawling up backwards, and they took her in the back room in dialogue with the devil. Oh, are you hearing me? I, I tell you, this, this state doesn't need dialogue. It needs deliverance. We need to be people that understand. They don't need another dialogue. We need deliverance. That's what Job's friends brought to the table. I don't want to dialogue. I want to bring deliverance. But in the midst of that, we see, we, we see the fact that the enemy is completely pushed to the side. He's not even there. Why? Because God said, have you considered my servant Job? Job, you never hear Job asking, why did this happen to me, God? You never hear him say that. You hear him worshiping. I'm going to worship you. His one wife said, why? Job, why does he curse God? Because your wife knows you the best. His own wife. They curse God, Job. No. No, God didn't answer my prayer for my kids, nor my property, nor my business. But that isn't changing who I'm going to worship. Come on, church. It says that David got up from the ground, washed and anointed himself, changed his clothes, went into the house of the Lord. Oh, come on, church. I mean, if he can go into the house of the Lord after going through that, what's other people's excuse? Are you hearing me? He just he 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 just invested seven days of prayer and fasting, and God didn't do it. And all of a sudden, when God didn't do it, instead uh, uh, instead of trying to emotionally deal with the situation, he understands where his source is and where his strength is. I'm not going to sit here on the ground. I am going to the house of the Lord. Something's going to happen in the house of the Lord. And let me tell you, when he went into the house of the Lord, he did not just sit there and say, oh, poor me. Pray for me. She went in the house of the Lord and worshipped. Because God, even though I fasted and prayed, sought your grace and your favor and you didn't come through for me. Going to stop worshiping you. Because if I do, I'm saying that I worship what I want you to do for me. Instead of worshiping who you are. Because whether you do anything for me or not doesn't change who you are in this universe. And church, we, when we get into that, oh church, when we get, when we begin to operate, see, we ought to live life this way. As I shared the other night, when I got the call that my, my daughter's gonna get married to a young man that I only met twice, oh Jesus. I told my wife, I'm gonna fall down and I'm gonna worship you. Are you hearing me? Because I, I, I could sit there and think, oh, no, and all kinds of, you know, all kinds of stuff could go through my mind. But then as I was worshiping God, I remember what I was like when I was 21. <laughs> hey! See, we sometimes we forget where we came from. It's amazing. Well, I've got to hurry. Now here he, he, he gets up, anoints himself, goes to the house, goes because I can tell you if that happened to most people, church would be the last place they'd be. It would. 
They'd be home going, oh no, what am I going to do now? And he, and he got up and ate, broke his fast. And this is a key verse. Down in verse 21. I want you to hear this. His servants ask him, why are you acting this way? Say this. Why are you acting this way? In other words, they expect him to still be on the ground. They expect him to be weeping and emotionally broken still. Come on, church. And when you've gone through something to that degree, the world expects you to still be in your condition. Grieving. Unhappy. Blaming other people. They expect you to do that. But David became an example. Why are you acting this way? When you lose your house, why are you acting this way? Because if you live life this way, you're making a testimony. I'm not acting like everybody else. It doesn't mean I'm dehumanized of myself. No, I understand where my source is. I understand where my source of joy is. My source of happiness. My source of life. Oh, Jesus. I know where my treasure is. Why are you acting this way? Can I tell you something real, real, real important? Fasting and prayer does pay off. And and here's a man who fasted and prayed, and the very thing that he fasted and prayed for didn't get answered. But I want to say this. It didn't get answered the way David thought. But does that mean that his fasting and prayer was for naught? That it was didn't have any purpose or any value? I believe this. I believe his fasting and prayer gave him the strength emotionally to get up from the ground and not blame God. Come on, church. That his fasting and prayer gave him the ability, I'm going to the house and I'm going to worship. His fasting and prayer caused him to forget what had happened and move on with his life. Are you hearing what I'm saying, church? Maybe in your time of 21 day fast, maybe the financial miracle didn't didn't happen or that didn't happen. But I'm here to tell you, there is going to be fruit from your fasting and prayer. It will, oh, church. Maybe, maybe it was so that the servants could say, why are you acting this way? Because that became the testimony. David did that. We need to do that. David gives this response. Hey, praise God. We're going to make it. Why are you acting this way? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept. But now that the child is dead, you get up and eat. In other words, I'm not going to live life like everybody else. I'm going to be different. And by being different, I become a testimony. And David then says, This is the key. He answered. While the child was alive, still alive, I fastened and wept. Who knows? The Lord may be gracious. In other words, I'm trusting His grace more than I'm trusting my behavior. That doesn't give me an excuse for my behavior or sin, to go out and sin, but I must trust His grace is bigger than what I do. To me, and let the child live. But now, the the child is dead, why should I fast? Can I bring him back? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. 
Now listen, folks. David came to the place where he could not control what happened. So instead of focusing on what he could not control, could not control, he began to center in on what he could control. He could control his reaction, not the end result to what the incident. But this is what I want to want to hit on right now. After he said that, what's the next thing that happened? Because see, most of the time, when God doesn't answer the prayer, we got question marks after the sentence. Or dot, 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 to be continued. But I I want you to hear this. When David said that, he put a period on that thing in his life. In other words, church, he put a period on his pain. He put a period on what took place. Church, there are things that happened in 2011 that that I don't want to take in in 2012. There are things that God didn't answer in my life. But what I need to do is I need to put a period behind that sentence and move on. And God wanted me to tell this church tonight, there are certain things that you need to put a period upon and move on with God. Because if we don't put the period at the end of the sentence, I know my wife and I don't have a perfect marriage. And there's moments when we, we have spats, but we've learned that there's certain things we've got to put a period on and never pick it up again. I never hear in Scripture that incident of that dead boy brought up in that family again. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I never hear adultery brought up again in that marriage. Are you hearing what I'm saying, church? We've got to learn to put periods at the end of the sentence and move on. Because here's the thing. I can always tell when someone hasn't put a period. Given the right pressure situation, they bring it up. They bring up what's buried inside of them because they haven't learned to put a period upon that. And I'm not saying that the things that happened to us were, were an injustice or wrong. or wrong. I, I, I have a wife here whose father cut all her hair off for going to church. But her victory was because she learned to put a period behind what her, the abuse, the physical abuse of a father and move on with her life. She's not on medication. Are you hearing me? You You know why? Her name, Meliana, means songs of joy. You know why? And she decided that's what she was going to become, a song of joy, not a song of sorrow. And listen, I could be, I, David could have sit here and felt sorry for the situation and, and blame God the rest of his life, but he put a period behind it, church. Maybe you've gone through a terrible marriage. Maybe there's kids, and, 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 there, and I'm not saying there's not consequences to our actions, but sometimes we, our victory lies in putting the period. We've all committed sin. We've all done things we wish we would not have done. But regret doesn't know how to put a period upon the sins. Living in regret is not going to empower you to be effective. But listen, folks. Because, because David put a period. I love this. Then David comforted his wife. Everybody say comforted. In other words, because David put a period behind the incident, he had the empowerment to comfort somebody else that was dealing with the same thing. Are you hearing me? 
Because until you put a period behind your pain, you can't comfort anybody else in their pain. And it gave him the anointing to comfort. And notice what the scripture says. I read it in verse 15. It said Uriah's wife. But because David put a period. Oh, come on. Are you hearing me? Notice what Scripture said. It says, David comforted his wife, Bathsheba. In other words, God put a period upon it too. Oh, are you hearing me? And what God puts a period upon, I don't need to pick it up again. I have no right to pick it up again. And church, I'm telling you tonight, if there's things in your life tonight that you need to put a period upon, God wants to empower you to do that. Because of that, he comforted his wife. And now God said, that's your wife. Look at your reaction, David. He went to her and lay with her, and he gave birth to a son, and they named him Solomon. Listen to this. The Lord loved him. And because the Lord loved him, he sent a word through Nathan the prophet, to name him Jedidiah. In other words, David, because you put a period on your pain, I'm going to cause you to forget your pain and fill your house full of love. That's what he did. How many tonight say, preacher, I want to put a period I want to put a period on my things right now. Let me see your hand. I want to put a period upon this right now. There's things in my life I've got to learn to put a period. And I want to react correctly to unanswered prayer because hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And I can't afford to have a sick heart because if I come and preach out of a sick heart, everybody around me is going to be sick. Come on, church. But if I come and speak out of the healed heart, then my words can bring comfort. My words can bring life. My life and my tragedy can become a testimony. And maybe you're in the mess where you can't pay your rent or your mortgage. Don't blame yourself. You know what? It's just a house. You have a mansion in heaven. Oh, come on, church. And I am not advocating your responsibility. But what I'm saying, maybe you're a tither and you're not getting breakthrough. I, I heard the woman of God say 16 years they were in debt. But they kept tithing. You know why? And you know what? Because they kept tithing, God put the period on the debt. Are you hearing me, church? It, because and, and, and when God puts a period on something, church, I don't want to pick it up again. <laughs> but because of that, see, it, it, when she said that, I comforted me. I'm getting out of debt too. Because I, I don't, the only time I come here is when I preach. But my money goes to this church. My 10%. You know why? It's good soil. To the main church, Maui. Why? Because I know that when I put periods upon things in my life, it gives me the emotional strength to move on with my destiny and to comfort others. Lift your hands toward heaven. Father, we thank you for this word tonight. It's a lamp unto our feet and a light upon our path. I thank you for what you're going to do, oh God. And I know, Father, that it didn't quite hit 9 o'clock, but we're getting close. But Lord Jesus, you're going to help me. (laughs) I'm going to get KC'd by the time I leave here. I know it. Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Pastor Karen. Amen. (laughs) Thank you, Lord.
We're going to take time to take a love offering tonight. You can pray and ask the Lord what he'd have you give. You know, they travel all over the states. They travel all over the place bringing the word of the Lord and moving in revival. And maybe you're somebody who will never leave Alaska. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> maybe maybe you're not going to travel all around and do that, but your seed goes with them and you have a harvest in their ministry. Amen? So I just encourage you to give tonight. Do we have any giving music? Where's Micah? There he is. <laughs> Ta-da! There he is. Lord, we thank you so much for the Harkies and for their ministry. Lord, for their passion and their love for you and for your people. And we ask God tonight, Lord, that you would just bless them, that you would meet every need that they have. Lord, we ask that you would increase, increase them in every way, in every area. Lord, I just ask that you would continue, God, to fill them with the knowledge of your will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Take them deeper. Increase the gifts. We just bless them and we bless their family tonight in Jesus' name. Bless the offering. Amen. Hallelujah. Your, where your treasure is. Oh, church. There is victory. I want everyone to stand right now in the presence of God. I want you to lift your hands heavenward right now. Father, I thank you for this word, oh God. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. That this word, O oh God, becomes etched and written on our heart, O oh God, tonight. Because we are getting up from the ground. We are people that will be victorious. And we are people that will comfort this state. And our worship isn't determined about the life situation. Father, we are going to give you our best worship at all times.
all across this room. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, Preacher, I haven't repented of my sins. I'm living in the middle of it. But tonight, I want to put a period on that lifestyle. I don't want to continue anymore. I want Jesus. I want His heart. I want His ways. I want all of Him. Maybe tonight you come to this church. But you know there's issues. Given the right scenario, placed in the right environment, that particular thing resurfaces. And your heart isn't totally God's. It's not totally belonging to Christ. And you say, preacher, I don't want that. I want Him and all of you. If that's you in this room tonight, I want you to lift your right hand really high right now so I can see. You see that hand? See that hand, young man? I see that hand, ma'am. You can put the hands in. Is there anyone else before I move on? I would like everyone to look up here. There were three people that raised their hand. And if that's you, come stand right here, right now. Come, come, come stand right here, sir. Come, man. Praise God. I'm glad we had church on Monday. I could get some life group leaders or one of the ladies in the church. Come up. Lay your hands on these. Congregation, as well as you in the front, I'd like you to repeat this after me. Jesus, here I stand in your presence. I ask you right now. I want to hate sin like you hate it. I don't want an appetite for pleasure. I want an appetite for your presence. God, remove everything in my heart that displeases you. Turn my heart tonight towards you. You are the Son of God. And you demand full obedience. Not partial obedience. And this night, I repent. I'm sorry for grieving you, for hurting you. Lord, right now, come into my heart. Become my Savior and my Lord. I give my life entirely to you this night. You own me. I'm your possession. In Jesus' name. Now lift your hands and thank you. We thank you. I get some ushers close to me. I appreciate it as I pray for these. Oh God, right now. Meliana, could you come here, please, and put your hand on this woman's forehead? Could you put your hand on this woman's forehead? The Lord wants me to tell you this, ma'am. 
you need to hear this. Despite what they have diagnosed upon you, the Lord God says, I want to remove. I want to remove the untruths. I want to remove those things that try to deceive your heart and deceive your mind this night. I want to give you the mental strength to withstand the accusation right now. And if you will say yes, I will not allow you to be manipulated, taken advantage of, but you will stand up for yourself because it will be me standing up for you, defending you. Father, from the top of her head to the soles of her feet, as I pray for her right now, bring complete deliverance right now in the name of Jesus. Sir, lift your hands right now. God says to you, my son, I have given you a unique ability to walk in creative, creative miracles. What I mean by that, I'm not talking about physical bodies. I'm, I'm talking about seeing things in your mind's eye that has never been created or developed, but yet you get a vision of it. And, and, and on a piece of paper, you paint it out, and you, and you figure, and the Lord is saying, what you have painted on the picture, I am placing my hand on it right now. And if you will trust me and walk... And if you will trust me to make things happen, and you will trust me in areas of your own weakness, I will see to it that the right people see what you have painted. Hear the word of the Lord this night. So good am I. Thank you, Jesus. How many say tonight... You want to put a period? Let me see your hand right now. You want to put the period right now? If that's you, I want you to run to this altar right now. but they're going to still minister so if you need to slip out feel free just if you could keep your conversations out in the lobby instead of in here so we can maintain an atmosphere of prayer and let the Lord do his work in here Lord we just thank you for what you've done tonight God and what you're going to continue to do Lord and I just pray that you would bless your people and cause your face to shine upon them Lord that you lift up your countenance to them be gracious to them keep them and give them peace In Jesus' name, amen. I see in your fist so many periods. You've already put a period on many things in your life. But there's people that you love that haven't. But God has put so many of them in your fist. Make a fist with your right hand. On the count of three, I want you to open it and throw those periods at your family. And you watch. One, two, three. Shovel Kuriyabaka. Touch her right now and heal her in the name of Jesus.
God, tonight, I stand here. There have been moments in my life where I have had unanswered prayer. But God, tonight, I'm getting up from the ground. I'm anointing myself. I'm in your house. And I'm worshiping you. God, I put a period on what you have not done. I'm moving on. I'm leaving that behind so that I can comfort others around me and be an example for your name and your glory in Jesus' name. I put a period tonight. Now lift your hands and thank you. Just thank him all over this place. God, we thank you. Oh, God, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you, God. There's someone here, you have a problem, it's called the sciatic nerve. Given the front, you, there's, there's pain in the nerve when you sit for a long time. Where are you? Jesus wants to heal you. Let me see your hand. It's you. It's you. Uh, come stand.